Does truth exist? Because you have faith, does that make this book true? Does God exist? So when someone says there is no truth, if you apply the claim to itself, what should you say? Is that true? They don't think Christianity is true. They're talked out of it. You know why they're talked out of it? Because they've never been talked into it. Cross-examining skeptical and atheistic views. Welcome to Cross-Examine with Dr. Frank Turek. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been uh, speaking at college campuses about 15 to 20 a year since 2007. And the reason I go there is because the college campus is probably the most anti-Christian piece of real estate in the United States of America. So when we go there, when we go there and conduct an I don't have enough faith to be an atheist session there, and it takes our team and the Christian host group on campus to do so, we're going there to throw a lifeline to the Christian students who attend, and we're there to put a stone in the shoe of the skeptics who show up. Now, one of the problems is, is that there are too few people out there doing this that are bringing truth to the college campus. So when I find someone who is and is doing it remarkably effectively, I want to tell you about this person. He's my friend Charlie Kirk. He heads an organization called Turning Point USA, which also has a faith element to it called Turning Point Faith. We'll get into that. Now, Turning Point USA has thousands of college groups, ladies and gentlemen, and it's only 10 years old. And believe it or not, Charlie started this when he was 18. So he's 28 now, and he's wise beyond his years. And let me just tell you a couple of things he's doing right now. He's doing about three hours of radio podcast per day. It's called The Charlie Kirk Show, which you can access wherever you hear podcasts. He covers all sorts of issues on there, from politics to medicine to the news of the day and also apologetics and theology. And one of the things I love about Charlie is he's not afraid to speak the truth, particularly the gospel, in any venue, whether the president of the United States is there or just a college student is there. He's going to preach the truth, whether it's a college campus event, a political rally, doesn't matter. He's going to do it. And I want you to know about him and I want you to know about what he's doing because the world is getting darker. And when you find somebody out there who's putting out a light, a bright light, you want to tell people about it. So here's my friend, Charlie Kirk, ladies and gentlemen. Charlie, how are you? I'm great, Frank. Thank you. And I want to just kind of throw back the compliments to you and cross-examine. I'm a huge fan of what you are doing. Uh, I'm here to help in any way I can. Uh, I first became aware of you on YouTube. And also, I remember I was just, I just got done speaking at Washington State University in Pullman, Washington. I was mm -hmm. actually spending the night in Spokane. And I opened up public access television. I'm not sure why. And it was one of your sessions and seminars. And I was so just, I was like, I recognize that guy from YouTube. And I got to listen to your stuff. And it's been an amazing uh, blessing just to get to know you the last couple years. And I have a feeling the Lord has uh, more synergies in store for both of us. Absolutely, brother. Hey, tell our, our group here, uh, our listening audience here and our viewing audience, how did you become a Christian? How did this happen? I gave my life to the Lord in fifth grade. And it was at Christian Heritage Academy at a wonderful school founded by the uh, legendary Wayne Grudem, actually. He started Christian Heritage Academy way oh, back really? when. Yeah, he wasn't there when I was there, but Wayne is a great guy. I've had the opportunity to get to know him uh, here in Phoenix. He's just, he's amazing. So Christian Heritage Academy is in Northfield, Illinois. 
I had some amazing teachers that did a great job of presenting the gospel. And I remember very vividly just raising my hand and be like, I want to sign up for that. I'm ready to make Jesus Christ the chairman of the board of my life. Now, every year as I've gotten older, that means more and more to me as I realize how messed up we all are and how inevitable our sins are and how, you know, all of a sudden the gospel just kind of becomes this living experience. It's amazing. So um, it was interesting. I went to a Bible-believing church and, you know, just it's the most important thing in my life. But growing up, I was always told that politics and faith are two separate things. And I've had that belief for quite a long time up until recently. But the most important thing in my life is the gospel of Jesus Christ and trying to get people back into talking about their faith openly and candidly. I'm, you know, in the political world, I'm kind of used to saying things you're not supposed to say, I guess, and having people react to that. I was, I'm just stunned at how some people are afraid to share their hmm. belief in Jesus Christ and in God and in the Bible and the truths of the Bible. And so that's why I'm a Christian. And honestly, Frank, people like you and Lee Strobel offered a whole different dimension for me personally that I was not exposed to. Um, I had an experiential conversion to right. Jesus. Um, it renewed my soul, and I, I felt and I knew at a fundamental level that this was true. However, when I became aware of your ministry and also of the case for Christ and just all the, you know, Habernas and just these legends in the movement, I was all of a sudden blown away because I like to use my reason, right? As it says in mm -hmm. Isaiah 1, reason is a gift from God. He gave it to us for a reason, um, for, a, for, for a particular purpose, I should say. And so just being able to realize that there's so much archaeological evidence and there's so much historical evidence for the gospel just made me more committed to share the truths of the Bible and to push back against lies wherever they might pop up their head. Now, how did you start Turning Point USA? I mean, you're only 18 years old. You just graduated high school. You decided to take a gap year, which, as you say, has turned into 10 years. <laughs> so how did, how did this all begin, Charlie? Yeah, uh, it began clumsily. Um, so... But yeah, it started 10 years ago uh, in June of 2012. Uh, no money, no connections, no idea what I was doing. I've always loved politics. I love my country. I've always been just kind of into those type of arguments of good versus evil and right versus wrong. Some people stray away from that stuff. I just gravitate towards it. I've always been that way. Um, and so I started Turning Point USA believing that our generation, the younger generation, was not getting um, proper education when it came to American history, civics, government. And so we started as an education movement. Now, 10 years later, we're still the same education movement. We do a lot of different things now, 10 years later, that we were not doing 10 years ago. But it's just been this remarkable journey and process. Uh, at every single corner, God's blessing has just been overwhelming and abundant. But I could tell you, Frank, that... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, what's the overall mission of TPUSA? What are you trying to do? How are you, how are you accomplishing this mission? Yeah, I mean, our big picture vision, and people laugh when I say it. They don't laugh as much now because they it's desperately needed. We want to help save Western civilization. Uh, we believe Western civilization is an outgrowth of the Bible, uh, the revolution of self-government, separation of powers, consent to the governed, independent judiciary, this idea that individuals can go to church without the government telling them what to do. Uh, this is a uniquely Western experiment, and we're afraid that we're losing it. Uh, but our mission is to go about through you know, a mission of, of education, of on high school and college campuses. We want young people to love America again. And we do that in a variety of different ways. 
we believe our nation is one that is worthy of study and appreciation. Uh, we believe that gratitude is something that is lacking in our nation right now. In fact, we believe gratitude is one of the great lessons of the Bible um, that is not always talked about in Christian circles and that we have to go above and beyond to thank the Lord that we're able to live in such an amazing constitutional republic. Uh, and I believe a lot of the radicalism and a lot of the kind of dangerous revolutionary ideas we're seeing right now, Frank, in our nation is an outgrowth of the lack of gratitude. When you are mm. not thankful for something, then you're going to want to dramatically change that something. You're thankful when you appreciate it, you study it, and you are able to receive proper education. So, you know, no pressure. At Turning Point USA, we're trying to save the West. <laughs> Just a, a small little goal there. By the way, what you say about thankfulness is so critical. In fact, Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 1, where he talks about how people suppress the truth and unrighteousness to go their own way. And it says, even though they knew God exists, or they know God exists, they don't give thanks and that's one of the critical problems. I think you nailed it there, Charlie. When you're not giving thanks, you are going to be sour. You're going to be dour. You're going to be angry. You're going to be aggressive. Yes. And we see that so much in our society today. We live in a society that has every earthly advantage, every material advantage. I mean, who could dream of a place like this? And yet we're angry, we're bitter. Yeah. We're canceling one another, and it's just awful. What can we do about it? Well, Charlie Kirk is going to give us some insights on how to do that. In fact, he's, well, we'll tell you after the break. He's got an exciting new initiative that you're going to want to know about. I want to know about it. I want to help with it, and maybe you will too. You're listening to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist with me, Frank Turk, on the American Family Radio Network. Uh, my guest is Charlie Kirk of The Charlie Kirk Show, charliekirk.com. Check it out. We're back in two minutes. Don't go anywhere. If you're low on the FM dial looking for national public radio, go no further. We're actually going to tell you the truth here. I can guarantee you, you're never going to hear this on NPR. We're trying to save Western civilization here, ladies and gentlemen. That's what my friend Charlie Kirk is trying to do through his organization, TPUSA, and TPUSA, well, TPUSA Faith as well. We'll get into that. And uh, just before the break, Charlie, we were talking about the lack of thankfulness out there. Yes. Uh, you have been going to college campuses for several years as well. Now, when you go to a college campus, what message are you bringing and what kind of response do you get? Yeah, let me just say one more thing about gratitude. Yeah. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was just kind of not as happy as I'd want to be. And I was just, I was said, who in my life is the happiest? And I, I decided to just kind of go ask them questions. The thankful were the most happy people. The people mm -hmm. that were always saying thank you to the Lord, they had gratitude journals, and so the teachings of the Bible are always true. And so if anyone who's listening to this right now and they're just grumpy or they're not themselves, just make gratitude a daily practice and go out of your way to say thank you to, for first and foremost, God, to people. Um, I think it's super important. So yeah, it's actually, that's part of the message I bring to college campuses because I believe that college campuses are ingratitude factories. Uh, they're experts at it. Everything a college campus teaches you is that you have to put on a new lens. They call it the woke, right? You have to awaken to the systemic injustices or problems or inequities and that you really shouldn't be thankful. Like, yeah, you might be thankful you live in this constitutional republic, but did you know it's colonialistic, homophobic, racist, bigoted? Like, well, maybe I actually hate this place. Maybe I'm not, maybe I shouldn't be 
you know, thankful that I'm, I'm an American or thankful to God that he placed me in this time. And so, look, I, I speak on a lot of college campuses. You do too, Frank. I've done well over 100 in the last five years, every corner of the country. I think you've probably done a similar amount uh, from Berkeley to Boulder to Stanford to Brown to University of Minnesota, you name it. Uh, I've been there. I haven't been to every campus, but I have, I have a, I have a, I've been to every type of school, right? Mm -hmm. Small, big, large, private, Christian, secular, public, you name it. And so, you know, it's interesting. Um, I'm always learning when I go to these campuses more than I'm teaching. And I say that not that they're teaching me something that's going to be like super interesting and they're going to change my mind, but I'm learning as to what they're believing, right? Like what, what, because you know this, the art of persuasion is if you're trying to convince somebody of something and they either already believe it or they're never going to believe it, then you got to know your target audience. And, you know, my main message is, is simple, which is you live in a country that is worthy of study, appreciation, and gratitude. There is a God who made you who loves you. And that liberty is not man's idea, it's God's idea. Liberty is not being able to do whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it. Liberty is not getting drunk with your friends till you pass out. Liberty is not doing marijuana till you can't see straight. Liberty is doing what you ought to do. Liberty is the pursuit of virtue. And that that actually will set you free. And that our system of government is under attack from within. And that we, and I, I, I sometimes personalize it, right? What's going on in the local community, state, or area. And then we open up for questions. And if you disagree, you get to go to the front of the line. And that's where the real fun starts. And so what area do you get most of the objections from? Is it from the sexual people or the, the, the people that want to push uh, a new kind of uh, sexual freedom that really isn't new anymore? It's been in our country since the 1960s. Yep. Is that the angle from which you get most of the objections? Because I would say I probably get most of the objections from that angle, too. Where, where, where are you getting the objections from, Charlie? Yeah, I would say recently for sure. Um, you know, Frank, having done, done this for five years, I'm sure you have a similar experience. Five years ago, there was not a question, a protest, or an activist that even would think of the word trans. It wasn't a thing. Right. I, I used to get objections on socialism, tax rates, eating the rich, and that was kind of the thing in 2017. when I Our first tour we did, the first time I went on campus officially, the tour was called Smashing Socialism. And now five years later, the, the big object, the big two objections, I have to say, I would say three. Number one would definitely be on the trans issue, kind of, I get to be whatever I feel I am. It is kind of my identity is, is how I chart it. It's my truth, not the truth. The idea of truth is transphobic. That's like the number one issue recently and lately. Number two, and this might surprise your listeners, but it actually makes a lot of sense is the religion of environmentalism. Um, I believe the modern environmentalist movement is pagan at its core. Uh, I believe it is earth worship. That is totally different, by the way, than understanding that God created the heavens and the earth and that we should preserve and protect it. But we as Christians do have a moral stance of what the earth is there. It's there for the use of human beings and humanity, that we should take dominion over the earth, and that it's there for humans to be able to flourish, not the other way around. College campuses believe that there is a, not, I'm, I'm overgeneralizing, but let's just, you know, for argument's sake, a lot of activists on campuses believe that there is a moral equivalent between the tree and the delta smelt and a human being. Who are you to say that you're better than the quail? You know, who are you to say that you're better than the rattlesnake? So a lot of that kind of environmental earth worship. Uh, and then the third thing is just general doctrinaire anti-Americanism. This place is terrible. Why are you defending it? 
Now, they back off of that because, you know, and I've been so blessed, Hillsdale College has made me into an informed um, kind of, let's just say, cross-examiner, to use a term that we're familiar with here, on American history. They are woefully unprepared to talk about the American founders. They just regurgitate talking points on Nicole Hannah-Jones. I didn't go to Hillsdale. I didn't go to college, but I've studied closely under their online courses and Dr. Larry Arn. I believe they're the great American institution when it comes to teaching American history. Bar none, I think they're the greatest. And so when they, whenever they try to say, oh, Charlie, the founding fathers were racist, I just kind of smile. I say, do you really want to do this? You know, <laughs> this is not this is not good for either of us. Um, well, it's good for you. I mean, good for me. I don't know if it'd be good for you. So those are the three objections I usually get, Frank. You hear that, ladies and gentlemen, Hillsdale College. And this is not an advertisement. This is just the truth that Charlie himself has been educated by going through their online program. When people ask me, would you send your child, your your high school graduate to college today? I I hesitate. I'll tell you, I do, Charlie. I hesitate now. But Hillsdale yep. is a place that I could send them. Maybe Liberty, uh, maybe Houston Baptist, maybe a few places I could send them and not worry that they're going to get a yep. lot of woke ideology. There may be a few others out there. But, Charlie, we need... We need to build people up before they go into the lion's den. Totally uh, if agree. we're going to send them out there, Charlie, we've got to do it. And I know you're trying to do that now. You've got a new initiative that's called the Turning Point Academy. What is that? In fact, I saw I saw yeah, I mean, you on Fox News earlier today talking about it. Uh, what's this Turning Point Academy? What are you trying to do here? Yeah, it's, it's an amazing work of the Lord. So, you know, we've been in the education space, as I said, for 10 years and we're going to remain doing high school chapters, college chapters, digital social media, podcasting, radio, and all of the above, you know, education, full court press, as you could say. So we came up with this idea for Turning Point Academy right after COVID. We saw there was a huge need for it, but we really didn't know how to go about it. Back in February, we had a very specific plan and a specific partner of how we were going to try to change education. And the whole thing blew up, Frank. In fact, the Washington Post wrote about it. It was a catastrophe. Not not like anything that's you know career altering. It was mm -hmm. just all this work and it just blew up. And I remember I turned to one of my coworkers and I said, if this project is gonna work, God's gonna have to raise it from the dead. It was like that. It was wow. so kind of back burner on the shelf, like we're done. Like it's gonna have to come to a life of its own. A couple weeks later, Frank, we I got a call from a dear pastor friend of mine here in Phoenix, Dream City Church Pastor Luke Barnett, where you're coming out, by the way, we're going to be doing an event together That's right. with TPUSA Faith, Freedom Night in America. And he said, Charlie, shot in the dark, uh, we have a 600-person school in Glendale, Arizona. Um, we'd love to potentially collaborate with you. Did you ever think of doing an academy at Turning Point? Would you guys like to get in the curriculum space or teacher training thing? I said, here's God doing his thing of oh, raising yeah. the idea from the dead. And so I sat, we sat down with him and it just clicked. You know, we had a lot of mutual trust. We've been working together for years. We've done some big fun things together. And so starting this August, it will be Dream City Christian, a Turning Point Academy, K through 12, 600 students, Glendale. The teachers will be thoroughly vetted. The curriculum will be non-woke, biblical-based, bibliocentric curriculum. We want you, Frank, to come do the apologetics for the high school kids in particular, to get them prepared we we're about to announce two other schools, uh, and you'll be able to hear about it next, uh, hopefully sometime soon. Um, our vision is to have hundreds of these, and there'll be a mixture of all sorts of different ones. Pod schooling, homeschooling, uh, partnership with, with uh, Christian um, church schools, as I mentioned here, or just starting new ones altogether. 
The point is that we want to get into this space urgently and from a perspective that what the government schools are doing right now are failing our children. And the, I'll be honest, Frank, I, I kind of live in a bubble. I deleted all my social media. I'm just blown away by the positive response, the warm messages. You sent me one of people that say, thank you. This is so sorely needed. I think it's going to make a big impact. It's really touched me um, and just kind of it's confirmation that God, I think, really wants this project to go right now. And as long as God wants to bless it, um, we believe this is going to be really successful. So our vision is to have hundreds of these across the country and that no parent, this is our big thing, that never again do I have to hear the excuse from a parent, there's no good school in my zip code. Eh, no more. We're going to mm -hmm. fix that. Mm -hmm. And it says, oh, no, I don't want my child to go to the good school in my zip code. And I heard you talking about it, Charlie. You are trying to raise scholarship money as well to make it accessible to everyone. Now, if there's somebody yes. listening right now, Charlie, you know, they're in Mississippi or they're in Dallas or they're in Richmond or D.C. where this show airs uh, and they want to they want to investigate starting something like this. Where do they go? They can go to tpusa.com. It's right there on the front page. Uh, they'll be able to fill out a form and we'll be in touch with them. So as I mentioned, we're about to announce two more schools. We have five in the hopper and we have 50 new prospective ones. Now out of 50, only a fraction will probably end up happening. Now, what do I mean by that? These are schools that some of which are already functioning, but you know, Frank, we get on this call and they say, uh, Charlie, uh, this is confidential, right? I said, yeah, sure. They said, Charlie, we have the woke pathogen in our school. Mm. And we need you here to get rid of it. Mm. We want to rebrand. We need you here to tell us how to get rid of this idea where all of a sudden a Christian school, they called us, they said, we walked into our classroom out of nowhere to do kind of a quality control audit. And the teacher was unfazed by the fact that the principal of the school walks in and says, uh, you do know that men can become pregnant and that not only women can menstruate. In a Christian school, Frank. Wow. And they said, Charlie, we need your help getting rid of it. This has gone way too far. So... It's an exciting thing. The website is tpusa.com. tpusa.com. Now, when you go to tpusa.com, you're also going to find TPUSA Faith. What's that, Charlie? We just got about 30 seconds before the break. We could talk more after. Hey, what is that I about? know all about radio breaks, so I'll tease yeah. people. So after the break, um, <laughs> they'll learn about TPUSA Faith, what we're doing. And Frank, you're coming out to our big event, Freedom Night in America. Can't wait to share more of it with your audience. That's right. Freedom Night in America will be at Dream City Church in Phoenix, Arizona, July 5th. All the details are at tpusa.com. Also, I want to mention I'll be substituting for the great Jack Hibbs this weekend. Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, June 19th. Then Southbrook Church here in Weddington, North Carolina, June 22nd. Then Bethany Church, June 26th, Wyckoff, New Jersey. Check it all out at crossexamine.org. Click on events. You'll see it there. And we're back in just two minutes with my friend Charlie Kirk of The Charlie Kirk Show. CharlieKirk.com. Check it out. Back in two. Ladies and gentlemen, are you frustrated that the school in your area is either too expensive or isn't really teaching the truth? Well, there may be a way out here shortly. That's what my friend Charlie Kirk is spearheading from tpusa.com starting the turning point academy we talked about a little bit in the last segment uh but charlie tell us a little bit about tpusa faith what's that about yeah so as i mentioned i gave my life to the lord uh when i was in fifth grade and i went to a great bible believing church so good and such a great impact on my life but i was taught from a young age and it was beat into me and i had all the talking points 
you never mention what's happening in the world, news, current events. You do not mention it. You don't mention politics. You don't mention right and wrong. And looking back, it was like kind of so silly to even say that out loud, right? You just do the gospel. You just do, you know, word by word, verse by verse. And it was really good moral teaching. It was great scriptural teaching. It was phenomenal, Frank. However, I look back and I say, boy, that's, that's, that's not complete. So I really had that challenge when I met my now pastor, a man by the name of Pastor Rob McCoy, who's also a Calvary pastor and buddies with Jack Hibbs, who actually got me to meet Jack right. Hibbs, the great Jack Hibbs, who you just said you're filling in for, and I just think the world of. He's special. I watch him every Sunday uh, online. He's just amazing. And he came up to me at an event, and he said, Charlie, you know, I love what you're doing politically. I know you're also a Christian. Why don't you talk about both of them? And I gave kind of the, you know, regular canned response. Well, you know, Rob, separation of church and state in one place and one lane, and we don't do that. Hmm. And he said, you're wrong. What? What do you mean you're wrong? And he's like, I want you to come speak at my church. Now, I was raised Presbyterian before going to the Bible-believing church. The idea of like a layman going, it's like not, not exactly. What do you mean speak at a church? It's like I don't yeah, have, you a, have a robe, Charlie. Huh? You need a robe. Yeah, you need exactly. a robe. I need a you gotta robe. wear a robe. I need to go to Princeton, uh -huh. you know, all this right. sort of stuff. And so I go to Rob's church, and albeit I was terrified. I was terrified because I thought that I was going to say something wrong. I was just going to kind of have lightning struck down on me. And that's not an exaggeration in the sense of like when you've never spoken at a church before and you've always kind of had this view mm -hmm. that what's said from the church is, you know, very important. You, you get very nervous, and I, I don't get very nervous when I speak usually because I've done it so many times. So I spoke there, and I was amazed by how Rob shepherded me, and my eyes were opened that the scriptures do talk about how we should care about our nation. The scriptures do talk about how we should care about what's happening to our community. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, which is so clear, demand the welfare of the nation that you are in. That word demand is badrash in the Hebrew. Demand the welfare of the nation that you are in because the welfare of your nation, and that welfare could be shalom or shalem in the Hebrew, peace of, because your welfare is tied to your nation's welfare. And I was challenged. I, I was asked the question, what about Esther, Mordecai, Nehemiah, Daniel, Jeremiah, all these figures in the Old Testament that were influencing secular government for God's purpose? What are we supposed to do about them? And I realized that we are in a fight for liberty. And as I said previously, liberty is not man's idea. It is God's idea. And while I am involved in what I believe is the second most important thing a human being can do, I'm very clear about what the first thing is. And the first thing is giving your life to Jesus Christ and getting other people to do the same. The second most important thing is to make sure you could do the first thing, to make sure that churches are not deemed unessential or non-essential, to make sure that church and schools are not being crampled by vaccine mandates, va you know, mask mandates, all these things. And so TPUSA Faith goes about to, to try to identify pastors, network with them, train them wherever they are willing or they, you know, are, are proper on how do I combat CRT? What is postmodernism? How do I teach the constitution of my congregation? The center of TPUSA Faith is the Nicene Creed. That's it. We allow you guys to figure out the theological differences yourself. Frank, you're coming to our pastor summit uh, coming up August, uh, August, I think, 10th, 11th, and 12th. We are going to have right. 350 pastors and their wives from across America. And it's going to be a different type of pastor summit. From my experience, I don't think you'll see as much theological diversity as you will see at our pastor summit.
We will have five-point Calvinists, spirit-filled Pentecostals, Episcopalians, Presbyterians, you name it, they will be here at the pastor summit because they all agree on liberty, they agree on self-government, and that we have to do something to save our republic. So that's what our mission is at TPUSA Faith. Let me throw one objection at you, Charlie, because I know that there are some pastors out there, and you know, I've two of my five books are on politics, so I've talked about this on the program quite a bit. But there is an objection out there that goes like this. Charlie, if you get too involved in politics, particularly from the pulpit, you're going to turn people off to the gospel. What do you say? I mean, I totally disagree. I will and I will agree with one part, or acknowledge that you must have your hierarchies right. Your church should not become mm-hmm. a political church. It should be a church first and foremost. But my experience tells a different story. Now, my experience of speaking at over 100 churches across America is the more clear and bold a church is on talking about these, they actually see their attendance go up. When you speak at Jack Hibbs Church, they're going to have a seating problem. And Jack has been very yeah, clear right. yeah. and very bold on these issues. And so, look, I think this is actually um, a tactic of the enemy to try to get the church to not speak as they should on these issues. And so your heart should never to try to turn people off. But let's pretend the gospel turns somebody off. The gospel mm-hmm. is a pretty firm message that you must receive Jesus, and if you do not, eternal damnation awaits you. That could turn somebody off. And so should we not teach the gospel? And so my personal perspective is the church should be less worried about whether or not someone's going to stand up and walk out of the out of their church because they say something they might hear something they don't they don't agree with, and more worried of whether or not they are pursuing truth. But in a paradoxical way, Frank, the more bold you are and the less you care about your budgets or your big buildings or your tithes, the actual more of those things you're going to get. And I'll say one last thing, which is. When we speak at our Turning Point USA Student Action Summit, we have 7,000 students there from across America. About half are Christians. And then they all of a sudden get a sermon and an altar call they've never heard of before. And we have hundreds of kids giving their lives to the Lord. I want to ask any church in the country, are you able to minister to those kids? Because they never heard your sermons until they come first for politics. And then all of a sudden they get to hear the gospel. I think it's an amazing ministry opportunity as well. That's one of the things I love, because even when you're at a political meeting, you are going to preach the gospel. Yes. That's amazing. You know, there's one other thing I've been thinking about with regard to this, Charlie. I think one of the reasons that pastors are concerned about speaking politically or on political issues, and by the way, friends, everything's political now. I mean, the Bible's now political. You know, in Canada, the Bible is now political because it has verses in it that don't adhere to what the culture wants us to believe. And so now people are saying, well, you can't preach these verses. When are, when are pastors finally going to say, okay, once they start taking the Bible from us, now I'm going to get involved politically, but I digress. One of the problems I think that we have, Charlie, is that many pastors have mistakenly thought that the Sunday morning service is for unbelievers. It's not. The church is there to equip the saints to do ministry. Now, we don't want to run off unbelievers, and we want to welcome unbelievers to the service on Sunday morning, but that service is primarily for believers. Yes. And if we're going to continually not speak certain truths because we're afraid unbelievers are in the audience, 
then we're not really ministering the proper way according to Ephesians 4. We're there to equip the saints to do ministry. Now, if there are non-saints in the audience, we want to treat them with the utmost care and respect, but that doesn't mean we're going to change our message. Once we start changing the message, then we've got a problem. Then we're no longer being salt and light that, the, that Jesus told us to be. So I think that's another thing we need to keep in mind. I the agree. church is for believers, not unbelievers. Again, we welcome unbelievers. We hope they come. But we're not going to cater or change the message because they're there. I think that's smart. Yeah, and I don't know how much time we have in this segment. But I remember once I, I brought a friend once to church, and they were teaching out of Lamentations. And mm -hmm. I said, oh, boy. He's never going to come back. Like, this is a bad idea. <laughs> like, why couldn't I come on the John 3.16? Like, lamentation, right, right. really? Was, was, was Leviticus not an option this week? And so, <laughs> right. and it was the most amazing thing. He gave his life to the Lord. It doesn't matter. I mean, the, the, word, the word of God wow. is true. The word of God does not turn up void. And so be less worried of whether you're going to turn somebody off. I learned this the hard way, Frank. I used to think I had to water down and pander when I go to college campuses. This was way long time ago. It is a lie from the enemy. Be the same person you are in public that you are in private. Have grace, have compassion, have a little self-deprecative humor. Be vulnerable, but honest. Be firm, but fair. But do not waver from the truth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you do that very well. And um, I'm, I'm so pleased that you're the next generation uh, Jack and I are, you know, in the 60s category now, and you're just bumping up against 30. So I'm glad you're there, Charlie. And you are actually training a lot of people. When I visited you out there in Phoenix, I think one of your assistants said, we've got about 500 employees here and the average age is 22. And I'm going, whoa, really? 22. Now, what kind of resources do you have for pastors, say? I know we're doing the pastor summit in California yes. in August. Uh, but what kind of resources can, uh, do, do you have a TPUSA for pastors right now so they can then equip their congregations with the truth? What do you have? Yeah, a couple things. And there's one thing that I don't think any pastor could possibly uh, find disagreement with. I'll tell you that in a sec. But first, we have biblical citizenship courses that we've partnered with the great Rick Green uh, from Patriot Academy on, who I just think is Rick fabulous. Rick is great, yep. Yeah, we, we're mm -hmm. co-partnering on that, and they've just been an amazing um, collaborative, great collaborative synergy, synergy there. We have a wide variety, of course, the retreat, as I mentioned. We have Freedom Night in America that we could bring full-time staff to help run and bring guest speakers to. Um, the other thing that we're doing, Frank, that I, that I just mentioned previously that I didn't say the specifics of, which is you know, we, we want to make sure the church is properly equipped to be able to address the, the issue of Internet pornography. So we're going to have a course mm. um, taught by experts, taught with the right, um, the right uh, technological information, brought to you by TPUSA Faith as just kind of an entry point. And by the way, if, if a church says we don't need that there, or we're, we're, I would challenge you. Now, you might already be doing it. That's a different thing. But I'm telling you, this is an issue that is destroying families. It's destroying communities. It's destroying churches. I know that it's destroyed pastors as well. And so that's kind of a non-civic, you know, civic, non-technically -te political thing that we're going to be offering. But I also think, Frank, it's a great entry point to greater moral questions of right and wrong, right? Who's to say this is wrong? Don't you have your own mm -hmm. truth? Mm -hmm. I could do what I feel. And so that's one where we see a lot of opportunity. And so if they want, they can go to tpfaith.com. Uh, we have a variety of resources for them and a growing library of them that we can offer them.
tpfaith.com. Check it out, pastors, and anybody can go there and check out the resources there. And there's a lot more coming up with Charlie Kirk of tpusa.com. You can also check him out at charliekirk.com. In fact, I'm going to throw some objections at Charlie in the final segment, stuff that you might hear on a college campus, and we'll see how Charlie deals with them. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. We're back in two. One thing you need to know about, ladies and gentlemen, in this age of censorship and canceling is the cross-examined community. The cross-examined community is a private community where you can join me and the entire cross-examined team and talk about issues without fear of reprisal, without fear of being canceled, without your employer sniffing you out on Facebook to try and figure out what your views are. You can express your views and you can talk about issues you want to talk about and interact with me and the staff at the Cross-Examine Community. To be a part of it, go to crossexamine.org, click on Cross-Examine Community right at the top there of our menu and uh, you'll see all about it there. Okay, back to my guest, Charlie Kirk of TPUSA. Now, Charlie, just during the break, we were talking about priorities. People get all spooked out when you start talking about politics but you're not saying that politics are the most important thing, are you? I never would say that. And no, I'm not saying that. I am saying that it has a place on the hierarchy. And the yes. ability to be able to understand hierarchies is actually a Christian belief. Um, to understand mm. that some things matter than others. Um, and to be able to properly organize your time, your treasure, uh, and your talents. And so if Christians say there is no place on the hierarchy for my community or my nation or my government, that, that's just not biblical. Uh, at the very least, in First Timothy, uh, the letter to First Timothy from Paul, it says, you know, to pray for your leaders by name and the issues that they are dealing with. And that's the very least, right? So that, that requires awareness, right? So what's going on with school board, your city council, your mayor? So that's just a very, that's an initial challenge. Uh, Daniel fasted and prayed for his nation, right? And so there's, there's plenty of biblical examples to care about your government, to care about the nation, as it were, but look, also this, we're called to be good stewards. We are stewards of this nation. We are stewards of our republic. And I believe we're biblically commanded to try to protect things that are good, true, and beautiful. And I do believe the United States of America is one of those things. Yes, and of course, if we're going to love people, one way we can love them is to put laws in place that protect them. Uh, and, uh, you know, Christians have done this for centuries. Yes. You know, we got rid of gladiatorial combat. We got rid of child sacrifice. We got uh, rid of child brides. I mean, things that are not controversial now, right? That's what Christians did throughout the Roman Empire. And nobody would say, well, those weren't right. We got rid of slavery, <laughs> you know, politically. And so the issues of the day still are issues that Christians need to speak out on. If we don't speak out for life, who will? If we don't speak out for marriage, who will? If we don't speak out for religious freedom, the ability to preach and live the gospel, who will? So ladies and gentlemen, while politics is not our first objective or our first priority, it certainly is one of them. And Charlie, you're doing a great job at Turning Point USA. And you're getting young people involved, Charlie. That is so, so important. How is it now? Well, let me ask you this. You said there's a couple thousand of these clubs around, a couple thousand of these chapters, Turning Point USA. If somebody's listening to this right now, they're a young person, they want to start a chapter, they want to get involved, what do they do? 
TPUSA.com. I'll just keep saying that. It's the great launch and off point. And thank you for the ability to plug it. They can start a high school or college chapter right there. We have over 100 full-time people on the ground across America. We have a high school division and a college division. So they can get engaged, get involved, get into the grassroots to start a chapter today. Uh, we'd love to have you, uh, anyone, become a leader or a member of Turning Point USA today. Now, Charlie, let's talk about some of these objections that you get on a college campus. You probably get more of these than I do, because when I go to a college campus, I'm just giving them the evidence that Christianity is true. Yeah, I'm going to get LGBTQ objections, but you're going in with more of a message about America and about political freedom and about truth and politics. So you're going to attract a little bit more of these kind of questions. So suppose a trans activist or just a trans person or just somebody that thinks that giving hormone blockers to kids is a good thing, gets up to the microphone and says, Charlie, who are you to say that I can't be who I want to be, that I shouldn't have pronouns that I want to have, that, you know, I'm trapped in the wrong body, Charlie. Who are you to say I can't get out of it? Yeah, I mean, so one question they will ask is they'll say, you know, I, I, I believe I'm a woman if they're a man. And mm -hmm. there's, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm not one to just give praise. Matt Walsh, in what he did in his recent documentary, is just an unbelievable piece of art. And so you just ask them, so What's what is that? What yeah. is a woman yeah. then? So what, what is the thing mm -hmm. that you think you are? And they say, mm -hmm. oh, well, it's a woman. No, no, no. We, try to define a woman without using the word woman. <laughs> and they'll, right. they'll kind of stumble over their words. Like, oh, so you don't have a definition for it. And so, look, this comes back down to a more fundamental question, which is, okay, I, if you take hormone blockers in the privacy of your home, there's nothing I could probably do about that. If you wanted to shoot up with heroin, it would be against the law. I think there should be laws against it. But let me ask you this. Would you be okay if I misgendered you? And they'd say, no. Oh, so it's not about your personal freedom. It's about policing the rest of the world to accommodate your own feelings. That's two totally different things. If it was live and let live, I could probably come to some neutral ground. I won't approve of it. I won't you know, say this is right, but there, I'm not, I'm not going to all of a sudden say we need a police state to go after your private inklings in your closet, but that's not why you're here tonight. You're here tonight to say that I have to approve of you and your lifestyle. That's a totally different thing. So that's how I'd respond to that because the, the, deep down, Frank, it's not about what they want to do. It's why won't you agree with what I do? Mm -hmm. Why do you think people, Charlie, have to have other people agree with them in order to feel validated? Where does that come from? It's a tyrannical impulse is what it is. And so there's the four steps of liberalism. And unfortunately, I was naive many years ago to believe that these steps was, was kind of hyperbolic, wasn't going to happen. So the first is they, they say, hey, you must tolerate me as a trans person. And I think most Christians say, okay, you know, we mm -hmm. want to be compassionate. I, I'll tolerate it. But then they come back, they say, no, you must accept me. And then we're a little uncomfortable with that. We're like, well, I don't agree with that, but all right. And then they come back again with more numbers and more funding and more infrastructure. And they say, you must celebrate me. Like, mm. Wait, hold on a second. We, this is a toleration, a celebration. And then they say, you must participate. So all of a sudden, we went from tolerating to participation. That's an evangelistic curve. It goes right. from one where they just want you to be able like, hey, let, let me be me, you know, don't get in my way, live and let live, right? To it's not live and let live, it's live and let them rule. 
two totally different mm. things. And so I believe one of the great um, learning and teaching moments for American Christianity and for mostly conservatives is that this lie that they're going to stay in their corner and we'll stay in our corner and we'll kind of do our own thing is so deceitful. In reality, it's that they get to do what they want to do and they're going to tell us what we get to do. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of Christians and conservatives are waking up to that, but it is an authoritarian impulse that I believe is actually at the root of liberalism. Yeah, it's as if there are two trains on the same track heading toward one another. One are the so-called LGBTQ rights and the other are religious rights or just freedoms of conscience. And one has to give way to another. And unfortunately, it looks like uh, people who say that they have a certain sexual preference are going to impose that on everybody else. And that's right. Tragically, as Christians, we obviously want to have our own freedoms, but we also care about the people who disagree with us. We're supposed to pray for our enemies and we're supposed to tell them the truth about what they're doing. And Charlie, it baffles me. Well, it doesn't totally baffle me, but uh, we're now experimenting on children. Yes. Uh, we are giving them hormone blockers. We're giving them, even in some cases, surgery without parental consent. Yet 80% of these kids that have this gender dysphoria, so-called gender dysphoria, we're going to grow out of it by the time they're 18. Um, why don't people stand up to this and say, we can't tolerate this. We're hurting children. Why, why are, in fact, Charlie, I think I've heard you say this, that 95% of the people agree this is a bad thing. Right. But only 5% are going to speak up about it. Why is that, Charlie? How can we help equip people to speak up about it? Well, because the alphabet mafia is willing to use force. And they're, they're mm. nasty people. I don't say that lightly. They will come and firebomb your home. They will put death threats. Not all of them. But there is a group, a committed group, that use quasi-terroristic practices if you dare question them. And so people are afraid. They're terrified. We're just going through this at Turning Point USA. We sent a reporter to the Pride Parade, whatever that is, in L.A., mm. and there were people, there were five- and six-year-olds that were being picked up by people wearing next to nothing, right, that were dancing in very graphic ways in the middle of the street sexually. And so we filmed it. We put it on Twitter, got millions of views, and they're coming after us, death threats, the whole thing. We already have security. We're used to it, right, so we're not phased by it. But that terrifies people. They don't, want to, they don't want to be called a transphobe, whatever that means. And so that kind of goes back to what I said previously, Frank, that, that they're willing to use force and that they're using it and people are, are just afraid. And so the solution to that is do not have a spirit of fear, obviously. Do not be afraid and understand that the fear is actually a lot worse than you know what actually will happen if you stand up against it. But in order for this to happen, the 95% that believe that men can't get pregnant and that children shouldn't be sexualized, which are basically two things that are now under debate, that they need to be willing to be called bad names. That's it. it they have weaponized name calling. It's that simple. Well, there's a way to get equipped. Charlie, you got two events, big events coming up. One's a student summit, one's a pastor summit. Tell us about those two quickly. Yeah, so student action summit, uh, tpusa.com slash SAS. Uh, we got Ron DeSantis. We got Donald Trump. We have a whole faith morning. We're going to have three hours of worship and people giving their life to the Lord on that Sunday morning. It's going to be incredible. So we'd love people to come. tpusa.com slash SAS. 
Um, um, it's incredible. Greg Gutfeld will be there to uh, Byron Donalds to you name it. It's uh, Kaylee McEnany. So it's going to be a really diverse mm-hmm. group of people. Um, it will be a lot of fun. Uh, that's tpusa.com slash SAS. And then our pastor summit that you're going to be speaking at, Frank, 350 pastors and their wives, tpusa.com slash pastors. Check it out. Check it out, ladies and gentlemen. For those of you in the cross-examined community, uh, we're going to have another five minutes with Charlie, so don't go anywhere or sign up for cross-examined community. And also, don't forget about Charlie. He's dealing with some great issues, great insights every day. CharlieKirk.com. Check out his podcast there. I'm Frank Turk. I'll see you here next week. Lord willing, God bless.